0: Welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Bella Butler and this is our weekly look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League. Coming up, the Hammers are blunted as the Gunners run riot. It was 9-0 for Chelsea with nine different goal scorers and the Seagulls swoop and steal a point off City. Also, we look at the latest transfers and we ask the influx of American stars holding back the British players. Joining me this week to look back on the action is, as always, former Aston Villa and FA Media Officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Bella. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And also joining is freelance journalist Andrew Rayburn.
1: Hello, uh, Bella. And
0: making her debut with us, it is Ailsa Cohen. Hi, Ailsa. Hi, Bella. Thank you for having me. Also with us later on, we look ahead to the National League starting with Crawley Wasps' Naomi Cole and Grace McCatty from Sunderland. And I know Naomi also has views on the influx of foreign talent in the WSL. This week, Arsenal have been the big winners once again after thumping Reading last week. And they've put nine, yes, nine goals away at West Ham. Jill Roord scored her second hat-trick in two games. Two more goals also for Moderma. West Ham did have Jill Flaherty sent off, but this is still a thumping victory. Did you think that Arsenal really made a statement with their match?
2: Absolutely, and I, I think your point was spot on. I don't think Arsenal were as fancied as the other two, but I think very quickly they're showing why they shouldn't be you know, underestimated. And you've seen that in both the games, really. And to follow it up
0: after last week's result against Reading just shows what quality that they have. So what did you make of Jill Flaherty being sent off for West Ham? That really made a difference to the game, do you think?
3: It definitely did, yeah. It always ruffles the two teams' feathers when a player gets sent off. But I think it, it, def- it always makes a difference and it's always really challenging and interesting to see how like, the team comes back and how they react to it. But um, it definitely was like a momentous game, like
0: 9-1. It's just an absolutely crazy score. Across London, there were nine goals and nine different goal scorers as champions Chelsea ran out nine nil winners over Bristol City. Peniel Harder netted a sublime first Super League goal while England youngster Neve Charles netted on her competitive debut for the Blues. What did you guys think of this?
2: Yeah, it was obviously two big victories there, two huge score lines, which do, I think, catch the eye for anyone that does follow the game, but also perhaps those people that don't. And I think... When you watch either performance, I know people analyse them and talk about the golfing quality, the golfing resource, etc. But ultimately, there were two absolutely top-draw performances. And I think you know, to score nine goals in any game, especially at that level, it is, is absolutely brilliant and you know, certainly sends a message out to the league hugely.
0: And Andrew, what did you make of Chelsea and their nine different goal scorers? It was almost like they were having a bit of a game, weren't they, to see how many of their players could score?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, as uh, as Emily says, uh, scoring nine goals happens in in all levels of football, but to get nine different goal scorers out of it is quite something. Um, look, Chelsea have got quality throughout the team. We know that. We know that they've strengthened over the the the, the, the summer. Um, Emma Hayes always likes to get them off and running uh, quite quickly. She's very keen on a on a on a gunshot start, um, and they've certainly done that. I mean, as you say, nine different goal scorers. Um, OK, the first one didn't come until like the first uh, 15 minutes, but after that they were scoring goals at regular intervals. Um, and they got one right towards the end as well, which shows that they uh, weren't letting up at all. Chelsea, of course, will be earmarked as favourites. As we mentioned, though, Arsenal, perhaps it might suit them, actually, um, in terms of all the attention being on Chelsea and Manchester City. Maybe Arsenal might just fancy sneaking under the radar a little bit.
0: And also we had Mittal Samji was there and spoke to the Chelsea boss, Emma Hayes.
1: I thought we were consistent in training. I
4: thought there was a lot of top performances. I think you saw the strength in depth and the ability to change things. I think it's easy to look at a scoreline and say, yeah, but this, without crediting the team that's working hard, even in possession, to create opportunities. The fact that there were nine different goal scorers shows the diverse players that we have in our group, so I'm happy about that. Um, definitely happy for a clean sheet. I to say, yeah. how happy uh, you are you with Beth um, England getting on the score sheet and scoring her first goal of the season? For all my players to score, oh, Beth had a wonderful season last year, I think it was important for her today to get on the score sheet going to international camp, but I think the biggest success was making sure we had multiple scorers today. Um, with your side being on the front foot, like, whilst your, whilst your side were on the front foot an, and scored nine goals today, and we've seen yesterday that Arsenal scored nine today, do you really think goal difference is going to be key this season in, in securing uh, back-to-back titles? If, if... So I just know that you have to get three points first and then ideally with as most goals as possible. I don't know if it will make a difference. Um, Moving forward, can you see this side getting goals from across the team? (laughs) Well surely today's goals will be reflective of the fact that we're not relying on a single goal scorer. We've got multiple goal scorers, that's important.
0: The surprising result of the day came at the Academy Stadium as Brighton held Manchester City to a goalless draw, which was surprising with the new signings of Lucy Bronze and Alex Greenwood, who went straight into the starting eleven for Gareth Taylor's side but couldn't help them to victory. Elsa, you were watching this and gave massive credit to Brighton. What did you think of this game?
3: It was a really, really surprising game. I thought City, no doubt, I watched City all last season. We're going to come away with at least two, three goals, but. It's really clear to see from what Em Hope Powell had her girls completely prepared for this match and they knew what they would look for 90 minutes. City made four changes from last week and Brighton made three. Steph Horton made her 100th appearance for City last weekend and she's such a prolific figure for the team as well. And In the opening minutes she fancied herself with a free kick because she's quite She's quite known for being able to score these long high balls, but unfortunately she, she didn't manage that today. And that's what it basically was for City throughout the whole 90 minutes. They tried and tried and tried putting decent balls in into the box, but they just couldn't finish. And More and more frustrated as the game went on. Brighton just completely exploited it. And massive credit to the Brighton keeper, Megan Walsh as well. She got player in the match and she was absolutely fantastic. Some of the saves she did against the likes of Georgia Stanway, Ellen White, you know, these are England players. She played so, so well. And I think Hope Powell has done a great, great job with her team. And she said that they've done a lot of work in the final third leading up to this this game. Brighton have lost the past three games against City, and just even for them to come away with one point from a draw is a massive result for
5: Brighton this afternoon.
0: And Brighton boss Hope Powell spoke of how proud she was of her team.
5: I think over the summer we worked really, really hard um, in terms of being a little bit more resilient, um, structure, you know, game plan. I think we brought in obviously some new players that that could help us with with the way we want to play and the way we want to progress. Um, and I think today, in particular, we were very, very organised. Um, we worked on trying to stifle their play. I think we did that well at times. Um, and I think more importantly, everybody just, you know, played their part um, right until the last whistle, and, and you know, competed for everything. So it was a real team effort today. Something that that we we certainly highlighted this week. If, if you if you do your job well, if a large proportion of times we did it very well. Um, you know, started to tire a bit, but but you know, came back again. Everybody dug deep, um, and it's a real team effort. And I think everybody. I, I it'd be really difficult for me to single any player out. To be honest, I think everybody played a part, and because of that, we were able to come
1: away with something today. Elsa, just out of interest, how was Maya Letizia Because she's quite a young, promising young talent, isn't she?
3: Yes, yeah, she she was really good.
1: Cause I saw her play against Reading last season and she looks, yeah, she looks a real, real good, good find. I know that, um, I know that Hope Powell's quite excited by her.
3: Um, She put a really good high ball in just from outside of um the box in the second half. But Ellie Roebrook, she's a really good keeper. She just jumped up and just tapped it over the crossbar. But yeah, she does look really good, especially for such a young, a young player. Definitely. Yeah.
0: So the signing of US forward Alex Morgan made headlines on Saturday. But Spurs WSL game at Everton came too soon for her inclusion. England midfielder Izzy Christiansen scored the only goal in a tight game as the Toffees made it two wins from two. Also, Reading bounced back from their heavy opening day defeat to Arsenal with a comfortable victory over Aston Villa. Amelie Eichland, Lauren Bruton and Linus legend Farah Williams were all on target for the Royals. Summer signing Steiner Larsen grabbed as a consolation and her first goal in Clara and Blue. Emily, do you think Villa should be worried or have you seen enough to suggest that they can stay up?
2: It's a really good question, Bella. Um, I think it's too early to be worried, to be completely honest with you. I think last week against Manchester City, it was ultimately the two mistakes. Other than that, the performance, given who they were playing against and the calibre of player was really, really good. Didn't see the game today, but having read the reports, it sounded like at times they were in the contest, which is really, really important. And obviously their big summer signing got off the mark today, which I think will give them confidence. Um, Their next league game, they they play against Everton at the Banksy Stadium in Warsaw, which will be their first game there. Um, which is going to be their sort of new home, aside from the few games that they'll play at Villa Park. So no, I, I think it's a little bit early to be worried. I think it's important to remember that they have only just been promoted and everybody knows that there, there is a gulf between the two divisions as there is between most divisions. So no, I think, I think that they can still be confident and, and they have to be really just keep going, keep training, keep doing what they're doing um, because they have shown some pro- promising signs in the games to date.
0: Manchester United overcame a spirited Birmingham in a hugely entertaining match in Solihull. After falling behind, two goals in quick succession saw Carla Ward's Blues side take the lead, only for Katie Zellum to make it two apiece at half-time. Ella Toon and a brace for Kirsty Hansen turned the contest on its head as United ran out comfortable winners. Next we will round up the action in the Championship.
1: Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search 1U.
0: So, Natasha Flint's late penalty earned a point for Leicester City in a thrilling contest in Chesterfield against Sheffield United. Melissa Johnson was at the double for Sheffield. Leicester have gone full-time this season. Could they be Liverpool's challengers? What do you think, Andrew?
1: Well, it's an interesting one. I think there will be a split between those who... Um, you know, have and those who have not in the championship. Uh, um, certainly, obviously, Liverpool, having come down from the WSL, will uh, try and regroup and be strong. Um, but, yeah, as you say, that Leicester switch is an interesting one. They should be up there. The draw with Sheffield United, who were a very good side last season, uh, does suggest that they will, they will be there or thereabouts. Um, all depends on those games, doesn't it, between uh, the top teams um, who will be able to take points off each other. And will there be a couple of teams that break away? In the end, Villa just outlasted Sheffield United and Durham last season. Um, but will we see a bit more of a closer battle? I think, uh, obviously, can't tell in the early stages, but I do think the Championship is going to be a very interesting league.
0: And speaking of Liverpool, they got their Championship campaign up and running with a comfortable win at London Bees. Melissa Lawley put the Reds ahead before Rinsler. Baba GD celebrated her first Lioness's call-up by doubling the lead before the impressive Rachel Furness added further gloss to the scoreline. Do you think it was great news for Baba GD getting her first call-up, Emily?
2: Yeah, 100%. And she's obviously someone that's been through the England system Played at an under-20 World Cup and has really come through the ranks and really earned the opportunity and, and clearly that goal today will just give her that little bit more confidence again going into that camp this week at St
0: George's Park. So Crystal Palace and London City Lionesses will have to wait a little longer for their first wins of the new season after playing out a one all draw at Hayes Lane on Saturday. Lizzie Waldie's header got Palace off to a dream start before Elisabetta Edjepay equalised before half-time. And there were more late heroics from Durham who scored three goals in the final 10 minutes to secure victory over Lewes in the first game at their new Maiden Castle home. So Blackburn Rovers suffered a loss against Charlton Athletic and it was Jess King's injury time goal that was the difference.
1: I think um, uh, there's not too many storylines out of the Championship at the moment. You know, I think it will play out a little bit further on.
0: Now on to the National League as it kicks off next weekend. Joining us to give their thoughts on that and also other topics, we have Naomi Cole from Crawley Wasps. Hi, Naomi.
3: Hi, hey, you all right?
0: And we also have Grace McCatty from Sunderland. Hi, Grace, how are you? Hi, Bella, I'm good, thank you. And passing over to Andrew, how do you think the National League looks for the week ahead?
1: Well, it's uh, certainly got some interesting opening uh, day fixtures and we are lucky to have two senior players from Uh, The sides that uh, finished top of their respective divisions in the North and South uh, last season, as you said, uh, Bella. Grace, um, we'll come on to you firstly with Sunderland. Um, Obviously, uh, you finished well clear at the top of the Northern Premier Division, but frustratingly, COVID got got you in the end.
6: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a disappointing way for the season to end. I think based on our form, we were undefeated. Um, We only had to win, I think, about three more games. And we'd secured promotion, which obviously was our aim. So, yes, we're disappointed how it ended. But I think, like you said, it was unprecedented conditions. Um, I don't think anyone anticipated a, a global pandemic was going to hit. Um, so whilst we are disappointed, we appreciate that it, it was out of our hands.
1: And a few of the clubs, obviously, both in men's football and women's football, um, were unhappy with the way that the FA dealt with um, the, the, the COVID incidents and and and. and voided the leagues um Sunderland though accepted it with quite good grace didn't
6: they yeah I think ultimately we we, we would have loved to have gone up um that was I and we we set out the start of the season to get promoted and whilst we know that we were on track for that we appreciate that the decision behind making the league null and void wasn't an easy one and um, the FA had to make a decision and they had to be they had to draw a line between the divisions um I appreciate the, the minute you maybe let the, the national league, suddenly be decided by points per game basis and suddenly open this whole kind of can of worms that then all the leagues below it might want the same same treatment. So I think, yes, we're disappointed as players, but we, we spoke about it and said ultimately it was out of our hands and and we just had to trust that the best decision was made for the safety of the players and and, and the bigger picture. So yes, whilst we'd love to have gone up, um, uh, it obviously wasn't meant to be and, and focus us on this year instead.
1: And now, of course, it's all about um, going again. And You've strengthened, obviously, uh, for, for the season ahead. Um, give us a little bit of a lowdown on the, on the new teammates. How are they looking?
6: Yeah, definitely. So, obviously, we, without us getting promoted, we did lose a, a number of players. Um, and obviously, wish those players best of luck in the, in the year ahead. But we have made some um, really good signings. we signed two local players from Middlesbrough, players who definitely caused us issues on the other side of the team this year, um, in Emily, Scar and Olivia Watt. So, it's been great to bring them into the team in terms of strengthening that. And we've we've also got a number of younger players coming through. So one of the really good things about Sunderland is a player pathway. Um, so you've had about three or four players from the RTC and the 16th step up to senior level. And there's no doubt that they can probably come into the team and play, play regularly this year. So it's great to see kind of a mixture of local experience coming in uh, as well as youngsters coming through the pathway.
1: And a home game against Barnsley first up.
6: Uh, yes, yeah, so a home game against Burnley. Um, uh, Burnley
1: sorry big in the,
6: that's okay yes yeah. so a home game against Burnley which obviously kicks off a week today it? and we're just looking forward to getting going I think when the league got, got obviously paused in March we didn't really know when we were going to restart um, I mean obviously it's quite challenging times but for us we've, we've put the hard work in during pre-season and we're just ready to hit the ground now
1: Excellent Grace now, uh, moving on to uh, the Southern Division uh, Naomi Cole captain of uh, Crawley Was, I believe you know Grace as well from back in the day
7: Yeah, a little bit old school teammates, do not they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that makes us feel really old now.
7: (laughs) I know, it does, doesn't it? (laughs)
4: Um,
1: And again, nine points clear at the top of the Southern Premier, albeit having played three games more than Watford. Um, Frustrating not being able to finish the job as well, I guess.
7: Yeah, but I want to reiterate what Grace said. It kind of came to a decision that the FA had to make in terms of doing the right thing, in terms of not just our league, but the leagues below it. And um, I mean... It was all obviously very competitive in our league and there was a number of teams that were fighting for the title. So if those extra games had been played, it would have been very interesting to see whether we would have finished top or whether Watford would have caught up with the games that we had in, in advance of them. So um, it's just, just definitely looking forward to this season and just pushing on from where we were last year. And I think now we've had that year's experience in this league, it's all about just pushing on and seeing how far we can go as a club.
1: You joined Crawley um, about almost four years ago now and you've obviously seen how the club has risen from tier five to tier three, back-to-back promotions um, and obviously advances made off the field. Um, Where does the club sit now for you in terms of the development? How far has it come? What's it got to do in the future?
7: Um, I mean, if you look in the southern area that we're actually in, we've got we're fortunate enough that we've got a WSL side in Brighton and we've got a Championship side in Lewis that are in very close proximity to us. So um, we obviously want to be another factor that is taken into consideration when you look at those teams. We want to be pushing for that Championship spot and, you know, we're not attached to a men's side, but we would like to think that we can replicate the likes of Durham who have shown that they can be themselves as their own entity and do well in those leagues. And we just want to make some... Football in on the south coast as good as it can be, and we're fortunate that we've got a very good youth system. And um, we are actually getting players in from bigger clubs. And the signings we made this week was a signal of intent for us in terms of our reputation and how far we can actually go as a club.
1: Well, Grace went through a few of her uh, new teammates. I know Naomi, you've uh, you've you've given them all uh, all of your new signings a a little um little summary on Twitter so um, tell us about a few of the players that have signed for Crawley this summer
7: I didn't want to give too much away to the opposition it would be a bit (laughs) easy for them to find out what's going on but I just wanted to kind of make the girls feel welcome and being captain you know, it's kind of important that you do that and every single player brings their own quality and it just adds to the group that we have and on paper now you look at our team and it's going to be very very difficult for the management team to actually pick an 11 on a weekly basis and I think that's so important for a club that is progressing through the leagues that you need to have a core foundation of a squad but you need to have players that can also step in and do a job and it's not going to affect the team so I feel like we're fortunate enough in the six players that we've signed that we probably have improved the squad overall rather than just compensating in terms of just getting players in for numbers we're actually competing with the players that have been there for say two three years like myself
1: and you start away at Hounslow your your thoughts around that
7: uh, it's exciting that we are actually getting started as soon as what we are. Um, it'd have been nice to have a home game to start with, but an away day at Hounslow going to be a test for us. Um, they've got a lovely new home ground. Uh, it's a 4G facility, so it's an opportunity for us to show our footballing ability on that surface. And We obviously want to start with three points to get us going in the right direction rather than playing catch-up from week one.
1: And Grace, just coming back to you... Um, Obviously, there are players both joining Sunderland and and Crawley, but from the Championship, players who aren't able to to get in, there is that filtering down, isn't there, from, from the higher levels. The quality of the National League is only going to increase, isn't it, over the next few years?
6: Yeah, I definitely think that. I think if you look at how the the women's game has grown since like, the inception of WSL in, in 2011, the, the, it, it, as a result, the talent pool has grown as well. Uh, we've now got a much better female football pathway across across the UK. Uh, as, as Naomi mentioned, the same at Sunderland, we have a really good youth pathway that links into us as a ladies' team, which means in return, the, the youngsters are kind of getting better, um, which also then means that our league's getting better. Um, so in the same way the WSL has improved as as the championship, so is our league. And I've been, I've now been at Sunderland. This will be my third season, and there's no doubt in that the last two years I've been here, it has got a lot a lot better, and it will only continue that way. Which I think is a great thing for the women's game, uh, not just for us, obviously who are playing in it, but also for the national team and the knock on effect that will have.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to say because both of you hope to uh, hope to be playing in teams that are outside of the national league uh, in the not too distant future, but certainly in terms of its growth in the future. Naomi obviously players that will you hope will be uh, out of the national league in the not too distant future but in terms of the strength of the national league it's good for the game if it grows isn't it because the national league does hold an important place in the structure.
7: Yeah massively and I speak on behalf of a lot of girls that I know within the national league and it's always a high quality standard no matter what league you go for. I mean Grace in the northern league will probably say exactly the same. It's very competitive on a weekly basis and Knowing a lot of players that are playing in the national league um, they've they've all got they've all kind of proven a point really they've all they've all been at these bigger clubs that are now in the WSL or in the championship they've all been at those clubs they know what their ability can hold and they just want to progress the new club they're at into that level because they feel like they've still got more to give and yeah it is filtering down into our level but it's beneficial for us but then in other ways it is it'd be nice to see more players be picked up from this league who should be playing higher
1: yeah and actually that's a very good point grace i'll just finish off with you then on this national league bit um it's there must be some players that you come up against on a on a weekly basis where you think you know they they've got to be picked up at some stage by a championship club or higher isn't
6: there? yeah definitely i think like i mentioned earlier two of the the younger players that we've got coming through are both england youth internationals and and there's no doubt that they could probably go and play for a championship club or be in and around kind of a WSL setup, But I think the great thing about the national league is that it will give those players much needed game time and it will allow them to actually play week in week out, which will only further their development rather than going on a, and sit on a bench of a, of a championship club or a WSL club. So whilst yes, we are part of the pathway, I think we are a really important part in terms of it is a really competitive league. Um, there are players like Naomi said, who could, I think, easily not easily but uh compete themselves at at a higher level but they're at that club for a reason and and I think obviously speaking for myself I joined Sunderland um because I wanted a new challenge but I also wanted to help them get back to where I think they belonged obviously they've got a long history in the women's game and and I want to get them back up into those leagues so for us it's really key that we keep hold of those players we give them the game time they need that they can get challenged uh, they can develop and then and get prepared for when we get to that level. They are ready to compete at that stage.
0: So we've been looking at the number of transfers that there's been this week. You know, there's been some big signings. Like for Man United, there's Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and also Alex Morgan for Spurs. So we were just wondering uh, what you guys thought of that. I think, one, I think
6: it's, it's a fantastic sign for the, for the women's game in England that you're attracting quality like that. Um, I would love to play in that league right now to get the chance to test yourself against oppositions like that. I do also think it runs a bit of a risk, and I've always said this from the start of when the Women's Super League come in. If we're going to allow young players in England the opportunity to develop, they need to be able to play, and they need to be able to play regularly. And the challenge you've got now is teams are competing to be the best they can be, and therefore they're drawing world-class talent, which will only raise the game even further, but it has to be balanced with localised or local players. Because ultimately, if it comes to a point where a team is full of foreign international stars, then that's not going to help the international team. That's not going to help the growth of those players going into it. So I do think it's a really exciting thing. I think it, is, it shows really huge positive signs that the WSL can attract players like that. Um, and I think hopefully that will give it the platform to, to, to become bigger and, and kind of raise the profile of the game, which will only benefit everyone else in the long run. Um, but I do think there needs to be done with a bit of caution in terms of having that balance between international foreign players as well as players from England and, and localised players in the area.
0: Yeah, Naomi, you've, uh, we've seen that you've been, you know, fairly outspoken about this issue on social media. So it would be interesting to see what you think as well.
7: Um, I mean, for me, it's it mirrors exactly what Grace says. Obviously, it's incredible to know that these players, the top elite players in the world are enticed to come over to England and play. And there's that opportunity to do that now through the finances that are available and just the opportunity and the break in other seasons. And for me, it's great from that aspect that we can actually have your Peniel Harders over here, you can have your Alex Morgans over here. But it's exactly like Grace said at what point are they going to potentially cap it on a game day to be like, actually, it's great to have these players here, but how many international abroad players should we be having in the starting 11? That's where I think. The line needs to kind of be drawn a little bit because it's great saying, yeah, there's 56% in, uh, English players in, in all the teams across the WSL. But I'd like, it'd be interesting to see the percentage of those that actually get game time at the end of the day. It's well, well and good having English players registered for your team. But if they're not getting the game time, they're going to get to a point where they're like, actually, I've been sat on the bench for two years. My career's gone a bit stagnant. Where am I going to go next? And that's where the filter down comes in. So it's exactly like Grace said it's, it's great from one aspect but then there is that massive red flag that comes up that it's like is this going to benefit the English game for us and especially if we're looking ahead to the Olympics and the Euros our English players are missing out on their game time for that and we're supporting the US players getting their game time ready for the Olympics so it's a bit like who are we helping in this current situation but it's a it's a bit of a catch 22 i'd say i
6: think it's it's it's, it's strange i think from a spectator point of view it's fantastic yeah. um they're going like, i want to go and watch the games i think the chance to see them compete in england is incredible but the golf is what worries me you look at some of the score lines from today you're talking 9 nils, 8 0 and that doesn't benefit anyone um and that this is where the the the, 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 bigger te- I say the bigger teams like the top 3 4 get get stronger and it becomes like two leagues um, especially the top tier so I think that's the risk as well—is that that golf becomes bigger because the teams lower down can't compete, um, and then that has a knock-on effect to the championship and so forth. So it's exciting for one side, but it is also, um, yeah, something that definitely be done with caution.
1: Does it also think- not benefit English clubs in Europe as well, though?
7: I'd say yes, because they've obviously got that experience for the Champions League fixtures. However, Arsenal back when they won it, proved that it was a very British-based team that won the Champions League. So why should international aspects come into it? If, if players are being exposed against these better players, they're going to improve as a player anyway, which is only going to benefit the English game because then the talent pool is going to get bigger for our national team. So uh, it's great to see that Phil's picked a few different faces like Benzola, like um, Millie Turner, people like that. But how big is that pool beyond that? how big is that going to expand to? Because all the players are still based in the WSL. Is it going to expand further? Because there's only a limited amount of English players that are actually playing. Does that make sense?
0: Emily or Elsa, what do you guys think about this issue? Do you think that it is becoming, you know, a bit of an issue in the the English women's game? Or do you think it's quite exciting that there's foreign players coming over to play here? I think
2: actually, I know Naomi referred to it as a bit of a catch-22, and I think that that is the perfect phrase to use. I think you see... Alex Morgan's graphics in Leicester Square and stuff like that and I think in terms of having that for the women's game and the profile it's absolutely brilliant but there is that risk that it impacts on the national team ultimately and I guess just general English talent coming through not necessarily future Lionesses but just general opportunities for English and British players um, but I think certainly at this moment in time, I mean, I know the profile of the women's game in this country is growing all the time. But I don't remember as much conversation as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And I think in a lot of ways that can only be a good thing. But I also do see the concerns and, and the risk, I guess, long term to, to the longevity of the game.
0: And, you know, like, for example, some, some of the players are only on loan. So do you guys think it will only benefit benefit them? um until December
7: I was going to say that because isn't Alex Morgan only here till December so that it's great that she's going to be around and potentially probably playing a lot of games but she has recently had a kid is she going to be 100% match fit will they play her to get people through the door once fans are allowed in then what do they do their team's been based around having her in the team somebody's been missing out they're going to have to filter in that takes another couple of weeks sometimes for teams to get used to her a player change. Again, it's, it's so difficult to judge. I'm very vocal on Twitter about it just purely because Grace will probably know this situation as well. Having been at a top club at that level and being told that you're not going to play because someone else has got foreign international experience over you, you're kind of questioning yourself. You're like, so what am I here for? Am I here to make up the numbers? Am I never going to get picked because I'm not a senior international? How am I, how am I going to get that experience kind of thing? So it's, It's difficult on a lot of aspects but I think as a player it it hits a little bit harder as a as a journalist and a publicist it's a very different viewpoint because it's the women's games being talked about and it's fantastic and it's all over the news and to be honest it's great because we've wanted that exposure but for me as a footballer I look at the aspect in terms of player development and the English players coming through this country and it needs to be supported as much as it can
1: yeah should just obviously add for uh, those listening who who may not be familiar of course Naomi was uh, both on the books at Arsenal and played for Chelsea you were involved in the were you involved in the first WSL game or no no, no. I've been the year after that and obviously then had to to, to drop down to Lewis uh, to find regular football really I suppose
7: yeah pretty much um It was initially kind of Arsenal on loan to Millwall, then transferred to Chelsea, then transferred back out to Lewis, back into Chelsea. So it's kind of dipping in and out of clubs all the time. And okay, maybe I could take some personal responsibility on that and say, could I push myself a little bit harder to break into those teams? But sometimes opportunities don't arise just for whatever reason. And I can look back with minimal regrets in terms of my career. I've made decisions that I felt was the best for me at that moment in time and for me money hasn't been a factor for me in women's football I'm surprised it's at the level it is at the minute where they can offer senior international US players to come over financially cover things like that so for me I've never been in it for the money so when there's an opportunity for first team football I jump at that that's the reason why I probably dropped down through the tiers and tried to progress my way back up for whatever team I've been at.
1: And Grace sorry I was just going to ask as well the money factor in women's football then is that I mean, I don't know what it's like. How prevalent is sort of, you know, uh, expenses or salaries or whatever in the Northern Premier?
6: As, as far as I know, I can obviously say uh, from my perspective, sorry, that echoed a little bit, um, like no one at Sutherland gets paid. We don't get expensive. We're all there solely for the love of the game. Uh, we do it because we, we enjoy playing football. We are aware of one or two teams in the league that are paying players. Um can't, I don't know how much that is, and I can, I can speculate. So there is money coming into it um, in terms of trying to support players. But ultimately, I don't think that really financial bit comes probably a bit of championship. But realistically, unless you're in the kind of top half of the Women's Super League, will you be earning enough or a sufficient salary for that to be your sole income? And I can only obviously comment on my time spent at Bristol in the, in the Women's Super League, is that we were still, many of us, balancing different jobs um, because the game wasn't at, yeah yeah it staged it was financially viable for that to be our sole income so it's great that there are teams in our league now in the national league that are getting paid or are getting some financial reward or, or outcome but it's still very much that doesn't come until you you move to the higher divisions.
0: Thank you so much to Andrew, Emily and Elsa and also to Naomi and Grace for coming on the show today. Thank you also for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast and on Twitter at TWFP1. Join us next week.